When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Warning. This show contains adult political themes and language. Liberals and little children should cover their ears. Welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps, where negativity never sounded so good. Now here's your host, Thomas Purcell. Good morning and welcome to Liberty Never Sleeps Patriot Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Purcell. If you uh, follow the show on our website at libertyneversleeps.com, you can find links to us on all the social media sites, including Gab and Parlor. The show is available to subscribe to also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite streaming device. If you'd like to see ad-free content video of the show, you can click on the ad at the patreon.com link on our website. Good morning. First off, I want to tell you that I'm no longer on YouTube. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but that also means I'm no longer on BitChute because BitChute was taking the feed from YouTube and then airing it. But for those of you who are YouTube subscribers, what I'm going to do is take excerpts of the show, which I know won't trigger the, you know, the censors over it at YouTube, and I'm going to put it on there, and that's what you get. Just simple excerpts. Every now and then when I think I've done an important segment that I, I want most people to listen to, I'll put it on there and put it on BitChute. But I, the radio show... The full podcast will not be available on YouTube or BitChute. It's just they're too difficult to do business with. I derive no income, none, from either one of those sites. I just wanted to use it as a marketing tool. So going forward, there will be stuff on YouTube, but it will only be excerpts. It is a good way to see little five- and six-minute excerpts of the show on video, but that's it. And it won't be a lot. It'll be like five minutes from Wednesday's show, and that'll run for a couple weeks. Then it'll be six minutes. If you want to watch the full video feed, you're going to have to subscribe to the show. Two bucks, I don't think, is unreasonable. For those of you who want to help the show out and donate more, we have extra shows and all kinds of other stuff and goodies. You go to patreon.com. But I wanted to say that first. Did you know Alex Jones was up on the, uh, the hill testifying before the House, except he didn't testify? And I, he did exactly what I would do. He went up there on their dime, and he just said over a hundred times, I declined to answer that on the vice of counsel, that it would violate my rights as the Fifth Amendment, and didn't say anything. And he said, after he got out, he said all they did was ask questions that were obvious, and would they already know. It was just a slander opportunity. They're taking that January 6th commission and just using it to slander anyone that is on their radar. And I told you that's what's with abuse. It's a complete political hack job. So, I, I mean, I, there were all kinds of people who have been called up, and most have not reported. 
Uh, I don't know if Roger Stone reported or not. I think I think he I think he got a subpoena in the House to change, and he told him, "I go stuff it," because he knows he's any anyone intelligent knows that the House subpoena isn't worth the paper it's printed on. You simply take the fifth if they press the case. If they actually threaten you or send a deputy out, you know, to arrest you and serve a warrant, well, then you go. Well, then you just go, I take the fifth, I take the fifth. It's just an opportunity to slam, oh, see, they, he's, he's guilty of something. And that's not what the Fifth Amendment is all about. The Fifth Amendment is so you don't say anything to incriminate yourself. Because what happens is they ask you questions. And then you answer them to the best of your ability. And may, you may not recall any particular you know, thing that they said, but you recall it differently than the information they have. Because they're asking you questions about things they already know. And then they catch you lying to Congress, and then they could throw you in the Huskow. So if you're smart, you just got to take the fifth. On the advice of counsel, I take the Fifth Amendment. On the advice of counsel, I take the Fifth Amendment. You don't even need to show up with a lawyer. You just ask them, what's the verbiage? And then every question, even your name. I, I like G. Gordon Liddy's. When they called him up for testimony, when, he, when they went to swear him in, do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? He goes, no. And that just ended it. And, and he got served with contempt of Congress. But you understand, that took some balls. He, was, he knew full well what, what they could do and what they can't do. He was a, he was, G. Gordon Liddy had a, a marvelous intellect. It, it, I, I'm not going to say he wasn't smart or he was. I, don't, I have no idea what his IQ was or what, or what his background was. But he had an enormous depth of intellect. And I've talked about this many times about the complex structure of a deep thinker. And he think of angles and ways of coming at, a, particularly in politics, that, that I could never think of. I mean, he was brilliant in that way. And I had the opportunity to meet him once a long time ago. And it was, it was an interesting opportunity, which I don't have time to talk about today. But his intellect, I, I'm not going to say to you he was so smart, because that's a misnomer, the depth that he would explain things in a certain way or he would see things that other people wouldn't in insofar as politics and the way people work together. And to me, G. Gordon Liddy represented the kind of person that I wanted to be, that kind of thinking, that kind of uh, analysis. Roger Stone's another one. And I, I'm not, this is not right or left thing. These, these left-wing thinkers, although I can't think of them at the moment, that have always you know, impressed me. Roger Stone, somebody I always wanted to meet. I I don't think I'll ever get the opportunity to. He's just uh, he's he's got the, the kind of sharpness to his mind, and he's been around many of the figures of the Republican Party's history, so he knows more about it than most people. And the the way they have maligned him in the past is so unfair. And and I would imagine Liddy would have been maligned in the same way had he been around to see it. And I, I have an autographed picture of G. Gordon Liddy in my in my cabinet here. A number of people I've met over my lifetime have just been remember John Glenn, Senator John Glenn. I think you can see it on the camera. I've got an autographed picture from him. It's just remarkable intellects. And, and and there are people. One of the, the great things and privileges I've had in my life, and I don't know why, I've had an opportunity to meet so many people. And, and their depth of intellect had so impressed me. I don't collect autographs by nature. I'm just not that kind of person. I don't get wowed or whatever. I, I talk to people as equals. I don't see you know celebrities or stars as somehow you know you need to worship on your knees. 
But I have had the opportunity of meeting so many Republican deep thinkers. I, I don't. I I have to wonder. I mean, I I don't know why. Am I just luckier, or did I always seek that kind of thing out? I I met. Uh, I met actually briefly Ronald Reagan, although it wasn't a political scene. I I met uh, G. Gordon Liddy. I've met uh, many political stars, so to speak. I've met Norman Schwarzkopf. I, there are so many, I, you know, it's amazing. It's such a small world, you know, and I wanted to share that with you today because I, I saw that story about Alex Jones and he would be another person I would love to have a cup of coffee with, just pick their brain, you know, for a few hours to, just to hear them talk and think, what are your thoughts on this? And what are your thoughts on that? Not to have a debate or anything and not that I would think that everything that they would say would be right. It's just, it, when, it's been my experience that I become a better thinker and it brings out the thinking in me when I listen to other people talk. Like Dr. Jordan Peterson is another one. I, I, I marvel at the intellect, at the, at the way he presents a, a particular argument or a case. And I say, gee, I haven't thought of that. And, or, you know, well, that's a really interesting. And my idea has always been you listen more than you talk. You know, I do, I do a lot of talking here on the podcast, but in, in my life when I've met these people, I've always been largely quiet because I like to listen to what they have to say so that I can understand things better. And that's really what it's all about. That's really where what we don't have in government, people who have understanding, people who have wisdom, people who have the deep thinking that are necessary to deal with sticky situations like Ukraine or, or difficult people or complex political ideas and ways to fix things that should be fixed and ways to leave things alone and let the private industry and nature take its course. But I, I wanted to share that with you uh, before we got into today's show. By the way, the CDC is tracking another variant. I, when, when are people going to get it? that they are going to continue to track variants and they're going to continue to talk about it. They're going to continue to talk about vaccines and mandates and all of this, and they're never going to relinquish that power. I, I, I don't understand why people don't get it. It's, we've been years now. You know, I was watching, uh, I spent a lot of time watching different talk shows today, which is why I want to talk about listening a little bit. And I was listening to the, the five, and I don't normally watch it on a regular basis. I catch it because usually at the end of the day, I'm done with whatever research I'm doing. And I was listening to Geraldo Rivera talk, and they said to him, like, when are you going to get it? When are you going to understand this is a game about political power and it's not about science? And he said something. He says, well, if we had done what we were supposed to do, like wear the masks and, and take in the vaccine, we would be over it now by now, and the Omicron wouldn't exist. And I go, does he really think that? Do you, do you, I mean, honestly, think about this a second. Do you really think, if you're a liberal and you're listening to this, do you really think you're ever going to get everyone to comply with vaccines and masks, or at least such a substantial majority, it, it becomes essentially everyone. Do you really think that you're going to get to do that? You can't even get the country together to vote on simple bills. How do you think you're going to get everybody to wear a mask or, or take the vaccine? That's never going to happen. So you really have to analyze this from a realistic point of view, a real solution. It's just like climate change. Do you really think that you're going to shut out industry from fossil fuels anytime in the in near future in any kind of meaningful manner? And of course not. So why do we even try it? Why, why do we get into that situation where we start arguing with each other about it? So they tracked another variant. I don't know. Whatever it's called, ABC1, BD1. I, don't, some, I, I can't even keep much track of it all. 
This is all going to end up in zombies. That's all I know, right? I'm not an expert. I'm not a disease expert. But I do have some thought processes. And I can tell you, this is all going to end up in zombies if they keep dumping vaccines into people's bodies and they keep coming out with new variants and keep trying to fix something that can't be fixed. You know, they were saying that the Pfizer company was coming out with a new vaccine designed to protect us from Omicron. And I'm like, well, you were just saying that the old vaccine, we're supposed to be taking booster shots for Omicron. So if you've got a new vaccine, why are we bothering with the booster shots? Uh, then you, are you saying that the booster shots are not working? See, this is how, you, if you just think about things a second, you'll realize that something is wrong, that something is being sold to us for whatever nefarious reason that they have. And that doesn't mean the disease is real. It doesn't mean that the, they're inserting any kind of chips in your body. It just has to do with money and power. Like most things are. Most wars are over money and power. What's going on in Ukraine is over money and power. And, and, and through all of it, through all of it, the biggest problem is people trying to censor people with other opinions about the vaccine, about the treatments, about ivermectin, about monoclonal antibodies, all of it. When you silence people and you shut them up, it makes them suspicious. It makes them say, well, why are you shutting me up? Why are you sensing it? Because they don't want you to hear something. Well, what? why? If you think it's about your health, you're out of your mind. Because if it was about your health, they'd, they'd, they'd tell you about smoking and everything else, which kills a hell of a lot more people. So it's not about your health. Why do you? So that's why I ask, why are you censoring people? Why don't you just let them openly discuss? Because if somebody is sitting in front of me, that I respect and I understand their thought process and understand the background of the scientific background and the scientist or a doctor can explain it to you and then he gives his ideas and then I have to give my ideas and he says why I'm wrong and I say why he's wrong and then we go back and forth. I might say I changed my mind. Why You can't do that if somebody says, well, you're not even allowed to say anything and we, what we say goes because we have the white lab coat and we have the clipboard. Well, I'm sorry, but that's how Milgram got people in trouble. Anyway, let, let's talk about mandates a second, because New York's Supreme Court struck down these mandates, and now they've put a stay on it for, for the time being, some uh, uh, lower-level judge. But I, there's something going on here that you need to understand. We'll be right back after this brief break. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, I was friends... E friends, is that what is that a real thing? E friends, yeah, electronic. I never met the man, Roger Ebert, and he said to me, he says, you know, and we were talking back and forth through emails, and I and at the time I had been a, in financial planning for a very long time, and I was writing columns, and I wrote a column about, oh God, it was Charlie Sheen and 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 his problems with addiction and sex and all that which he found very interesting and he retweeted even though he was a really he was really liberal and we used to go back and forth about different ideas but i said to him i said you know i've been writing these columns i might want to get into radio i want to be able to reach as many people as possible i felt that our country was at a point where more people needed to be stand up and counted i had the ability to present my arguments cogently both in writing and in the speech i had done so as a financial guy for years I wanted to use that to help the country, to help what I saw was a, a dire threat to our nation. And I said, well, how did you get into you know, writing? He says, no, this is no, there's no great secret. He says, just start doing it. He says, just start writing. Just start approaching people. Just start emailing people. One of the things that I've discovered is that many celebrities, many people who have some sort of gravitas, if you want to talk to them, call them. Email them, tweet, tweet them. If they want to talk to you, they'll do so. And you'd be surprised at how much positive response you get. People who you would never think they would talk to you will respond to you. Now, politicians are a different ilk. They will only respond to you if you could get the money. But the average people, you'd be shocked. You would be shocked at how easy it is to contact people now in the electronic frontier. Now, a lot of times they don't contact you back. But you'd be amazed at how many do. And say, hey, listen to my show. Hey, what's your idea? What's your thought process? On? What's your thought? And they respond. That's a marvelous thing about Twitter and electronic media is the ability to contact and reach out to people without being intrusive. You know, you knock on a guy's door or you call him on the phone. It's a little more intrusive than if you drop him a tweet or drop him an email. It's just amazing the response you get. So if you're looking to build a business or something, I would advise seeking out the guys who know the business better than you, contacting them and seeing what the response is. And, and you'd be shocked at how many will help you. Really. Many of the, for instance, when Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak were building their first computer, do you know who they contacted? IBM. And they said, hey, listen, we want to build this computer. We had this idea. And do you have any spare parts? And they helped them. They, they said IBM helped them actually build the first Apple computers. I mean, not directly. But they said, well, we got these boards and that boards. Oh, yeah, that's great. You'd be shocked at how many businesses will do that too. And it's a little less prevalent today in, in, in our political climate. But it still exists. And if you're building a business or something, a little bit of advice, not, not political, it's just 
reach out to somebody who, who you know is doing things right, but you're going to do them a little differently. Because that's where real growth in the economy comes from, is creative-minded people, not colleges, not universities. They, they always do things by the book, and they want you to do things by the book too, and you, they want you in a, in a certain rigid box. And the best way to develop a business is to forget what you learned or build on what you learned. But don't do what they say. All the greatest minds and greatest thinkers in, in our economic frontier, in our economy, never went to college or dropped out. And that's an indication that something is amiss with our university system. Okay, let's move on. Restaurants and mandates. I don't know how many liberals I've seen out in restaurants, unmasked, unvaccinated, whatever, just disobeying the mandates that they've put in place. It's an indication of two things. One, they're irresponsible as people. And also, there's an issue there. They're obviously not afraid of the vid. But listen, if you're going around telling people, look, it's a dangerous disease. You're going to die if you don't take the vaccine. And you've and you got to wear a mask. We're going to order everybody to wear a mask because this thing is lethal. Obviously, you would think that the person believes in that. Well, if you believe that, if you believe that mask protected you, if you believe that the, the vaccine is, is helpful, and if you believe that the, the virus will kill you and is deadly, why are you sitting there across from somebody breathing all over them and, and having a good time stuffing your face with a steak sandwich? You wouldn't. You, you wouldn't. It's, it's against human nature to believe in something and then do the opposite. I mean, it does exist. There are contrarians out there, but you wouldn't do that. So this whole thing with mandates and restaurants and New York, it's, it's complete nonsense. It's also unconstitutional. Just because your governor orders a mandate doesn't mean that it's a law. Mandates are directives, usually directed toward who? The bureaucracy. Because that's what the governor does have control over. A governor can state, okay, all of the employees in the executive branch, anyone who's working in government has to wear a mask. Anyone who's working in government has to be vaccinated. Okay, I get it. That's completely legal. And the way you solve that is the ballot box. But when a governor comes out and says, if you have 100 employees but not 99, your company has to enforce a vaccine mandate. If your company has so many people or does a certain business, you have to wear a mask. Or you can't have customers in your store unless they wear a mask. It's completely illegal. And the New York Supreme Court, as well as the Michigan Supreme Court, number of Supreme Courts around the country, although we haven't gotten it to the Supreme Court of the nation yet, or it's pending, have struck down these mandates and said, no, mandates, in other words, saying that people have to behave in a certain way, independent people, not employees of the federal government, has to be done legislatively. If there is a behavior that has to be mandated it has to be discussed in an assembly it has to have an equal say and there has to be a vote that's the foundation of our republic and as the democrats like to say foundation of our democracy even though you and i both know there's not a democracy that's the essence of what makes america great open discussion debate and then we take a vote that's how it works and we, as the individual taxpayer, sends a representative to Congress or your legislature to make that decision for you. And if you don't like their decisions, you can remove them. That's a great system. 
New York has struck it down, Michigan, other, other state Supreme Courts. And yet, these governors persist. They constantly are getting other judges at a lower level to issue, what, stays until a full appeal is heard, other judicial obstacles. But understand this, fundamentally, you have no chance in a court of law, none. Supreme Court constantly strikes down these mandates. There is nothing in a state constitution or a federal constitution which grants a governor a power that was never granted in their constitution. In other words, they cannot do things without consent and advice of the legislature, period. It doesn't matter if the legislature approves of it. It has to be a vote. And they go around doing it at will. And they know better. See, this is the thing. People like Governor Hoichel up in New York, Whitmer in Michigan, they know this. Don't think that they don't. Don't think that the argument that, oh, well, we, are, we f uh, stand on firm legal ground, that argument that they always tell you, we're on firm legal ground and our Lord, we think we will prevail in the end. No, they don't. They know better. They're willing to violate the law to do something which they think is right. Because what? The greater good. I warned you about this when Biden saw, talked about this a long time ago. And he said, well, it's okay. We know that it's illegal, but there's a greater good involved. There is no greater good other than the advice and consent of your legislative assembly. That's what it's there for. And the focus of our government has to be on individual rights. Look, if you feel that it's unsafe for you to go to a store, if you feel that the vaccine is a helpful thing, then you take it and you wear the mask. Believe me, I do not think any less of you if you take the vaccine, which I have taken, or the booster shot, which I won't, or wearing a mask, which I won't do. I don't think any less of you. Now, on the other hand, a liberal will think less of me. And that's an indication of something. Because their argument is always, you're stupid, you're ignorant, you don't know. It's never, well, here's why it works, and here's why it, it's never that. And that's an indication, too, that they're on the losing side of the argument. And if they feel that way, present their case in front of a legislature. One of the things I've been on and on and on, every assemblyman, every legislator member that has been talking with me, I have said to you, no, there's only one thing you should be concerned about, repealing a governor's available emergency actions. There's laws on every state's book that allow emergency, for instance, the declaration of a bioterror attack or something like that, to basically seize power and issue mandates. That should be repealed. No one person should have any kind of authority in any state. That's an anti-American idea. And the second thing you need to do is, of course, clean up your voting rolls. You need to go to a mechanical machine, hand-counted ballot, and you have to eliminate most mail-in ballotry. People who are, for instance, overseas at the time, veterans and things like that, who are, or are on do, active duty, who are residents or married to a resident, that's somebody that you accept. That's always been accepted in, in American. But when you just say, well, I just can't make it into the ballot. No, sorry, then you're going to lose your vote. You have to make the effort to make the vote. And if you can't, that's tough cookies. That's part of what we have in America. It's, that's why legislative action is based on representative votes. So New York has struck it down. They're just going ahead with it anyway. They're just getting some judge to sign off on a stay until the appeal is heard. And as my, in my opinion, the Supreme Courts, these state Supreme Courts, should immediately refer everything to the, 
to the uh, federal Supreme Court and ask for an emergency ruling. Let's get it over with. I'm tired of these games where one court says it and one stay and one doesn't stay and one repeals the stay. No, enough of that. Enough of it. Now, I understand why the process exists. It's designed to prevent one party rule and prevent one ideology from overriding everything. But we've been going on now two years. I want to hear an answer once and for all. Does the federal government or any branch of government, including state government, have the right to authorize mandates on a private employer or a private individual just sitting on the sofa? That has to be answered. Now, in my opinion, the Constitution already does answer it, but we need to have a final ruling. And you know that many corporations, which are holding the reins of many of these politicians, are doing the mask mandates anyway. But if you remove the law, or the mandate, I should say, that allows them to hide themselves behind the mandate, because that's what they do. They said, well, state law, you know, state mandate says we need to do this. State mandate needs to... No, you repeal the mandate, and that will expose these private corporations to lawsuits. Because then if you're injured or from vaccine, you can then sue your employer saying, you made me take a vaccine against my will. Nobody has the right to mandate you to have a medical procedure or anything injected into your body against your will. There is nothing in our Constitution or our state constitutions which allows that. So let's go to court. Let's get it done. But you know you're not going to get any action from the Biden administration. You're not going to get the Biden administration to file a brief saying we are asking for an emergency ruling. We like this. Is, this has gone far enough. There is no food on the shelves in some cities. There is no supply chain. There is no situation that I can think of that's more dire than the possibility that the, the, the supply chain problems could cause a major catastrophe. That's an emergency because the longer this goes on, as I explained yesterday, the longer these shortages go on, the risk of something catastrophic happening is increasing every day. I want to talk about Ukraine a little bit because I was watching Admiral Kirby today and I got sick to my stomach. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know, this whole thing about New York and California, and I have said many times it's like living behind enemy lines if you live there. I miss California every day. I was thinking about it today. I was just random thoughts. I remember I was doing a geology trip. I was up uh, in a little place called Angels Camp in California. It's a beautiful community. Uh, it's along the Sierra Nevada. Uh, it's close to the Donner Pass. It's terrible conditions in the winter. I was doing. I was up there in springtime. Um, I was doing some geology studies, and, and coincidentally, it was when there was a large six point some odd earthquake up in the area. And I came out to my car, and I got stuck up there because my drivetrain during the when we were right on top of it. It just so happened we were studying the fault that is a movement. It was a huge opportunity. We did great. Did some great papers on it. And I, we were in the earthquake, and you know the. Everything was bouncing, even the car was bouncing off the concrete, you know, as we were in the campground. It actually broke the drivetrain. I had I was there. I had to get a garage to buy a new get a new U joint. They had to ship it out. It was like long long evolved story. But it was it was really a beautiful community. We were staying in a campground, it was a Calaveras County campground. I don't know if you've ever been up there. And the grass was so green. It was new at the time. It's 30 years old now. I've seen it on Google Maps. It doesn't look the same. And the, the little place where we picked up some food and grub and beer was right there. It's still there. It's still there and looks still the same. It was right across from the campground. I think it's private land now because I noticed there was a chain link fence up there. And there wasn't one at the time we were there. And we were the only ones in the campground. It was me and another guy and two girls. But there was nothing going on between us. We were all geologists. And we were all talking and having such a good time. And, and I remember laying there in my tent and it was a slight breeze as the wind was coming down off this, you know, the campground was like built at the base of a dam, small coffer dam. And the breeze was coming in and the trees were moving and I could hear almost like the earth was breathing. And it was just the most lovely sound. And I, it was one of the things I miss in Arizona. I love Arizona. I love a lot of things about Arizona. But I do miss that. And I miss California something terrible. I miss the trees. And I know they have trees here in Flagstaff and stuff. And you got to drive to them or whatever. And that's why I've thought about me and my better half escaping up there in my later years. But I miss that. And I miss California. But I realized that California, I could not live there at this point. Because this is what this is what the Biden administration is really trying to do with Build Back Better, with Voting Rights Act and everything. What they're trying to do is take the economic model that is California and New York and make it a national model. And I don't want that. I fled California in 1994 and there was good reason for me to. If, it had gone, if the state had become to be intolerable to me, the cost of living was out of control. And this was in 1994 when it was still livable. Rules everywhere. They had signs on everything. You know that song, sign, sign, everywhere a sign. 
And I wanted nothing to do with it. So I, I knew I, I, I can't go back there. And every now and then I'll go back for a visit. But every time I go back to California, it's more and more miserable. The rules are onerous. And it's just, it breaks my heart because it's such a beautiful state. So is New York City. I mean, New York City was beautiful, especially at Christmas time. My parents used to take us to Fifth Avenue uh, back in the day. And we used to walk in the evening. We'd walk along Fifth Avenue. We'd go out to dinner. I remember we went out to dinner one night at Benihana's of Tokyo, uh, you know, where they chopped the stuff at the table. And it was fabulous. We actually met a, a, another celebrity story, Rita Marino. We had dinner with Rita Marino. She was because it was one of those tables where the four of us and then her and whoever she was with and some other people were there because it was like an eight man table. And so we got I got an opportunity to and I was a small kid. And I got an opportunity to read me Rita Marino. And she was a fabulous actress. Funny. It's just funny how many celebrities I've met in my life. And and this New York City was beautiful, but I could never live there. The crime is out of control. And it's all because of Biden's agenda. And and really, it's it's mostly the agenda of the left, really, the progressive left, which has emerged as a political force in this country over the last 30 to 40 years. And I've been watching it grow. The PC culture, the social justice warriors. Before there was social media, I... I used to have debates with social justice warriors even back in high school and college. They existed even back then, the political correct people. And they were the, you, could, you could identify them all the time. The minute they opened their yap, their hate of capitalism, their distrust and dislike of what America was, I said, why, why are you even staying here? If you think the rest of the world, if everything is so much better, why don't you move there? Believe me, no one will stop you. But they're constantly trying to change this. And now, because the United States is the most powerful country in the world, militarily and economically, because we have all the marbles in our hands, so to speak, the rest of the world is coming after us in a big way because we've shown weakness. We now have these progressives in charge. All the people that I, I used to sit in my classroom and I used to look at all the people in my classroom, I go, oh my God, when these people get become adults and become, get in charge of things, we're in big trouble. And now it's come true. And sure enough, my prophecy was right. We are in big trouble. I was listening to Admiral Kirby today talk about Ukraine and the evasiveness, tones, language he was using. I, I, have, I have to believe that Ukraine will be invaded in the next few days. It's that bad. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm reading more into Putin's maneuvers than even the State Department is. Because the State Department says, oh, no, we're just doing the prep work and this guy. I said, man, they're doing military maneuvers on, on the North Sea. And I think within the before the end of the month, they've already started maneuvers on the frontier of Ukraine, which means they have the troops in place. They're, they're ready to move. The ground is hard now. It's, I don't think they're going to wait for the Olympics, guys. And the... the Kirby's response, because uh, I, f I forget who was doing the interview, uh, outnumbered. Um, Harris Faulkner was doing the interview of Kirby, and she was putting these kind of questions on Kirby and saying, well, why do you, are, you, are you saying you're sending 8,500 troops, but are they, they're, going, they're not going to Ukraine? Why don't you put them in there now to prevent Putin says, well, they're not a member of state of NATO. And I go, then she says, well, why are, we, why are we sending these troops there? Why are we stating that we need to evacuate all Americans if it's not imminent? Why, you know, why, 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 why? And all Kirby could give were agenda-based answers. 
while we're honoring our commitments to NATO. What does that mean? Putin has not made a threat to a NATO member. He has not suggested that he is going to use that kind of firepower to invade Germany or France. Not that he couldn't. It's 105, 1,000 plus troops. I mean, that's... Look, when I was a kid and we studied military history, I did it as a hobby and also in, in college. You are always told, if you studied Ancient Art of War by Sun Tzu, basic military strategy is you don't let an enemy nation, a hostile nation, build up troop on your border. Now, of course, we don't do it the way we used to do it. See, in the old days, the World War II days, if you saw that kind of massive buildup, you do a preemptive strike. Israel did it as well. Israel did it in the 1972, uh, 1973 Arab-Israeli War. The Arabs were building up massive forces on border of Israel in the preparation to invasion. Israel decided not to wait and attacked them first, used their air power given to them by the United States or sold to them, hit those tanks early, hit those emplacements early, and as a result, the invasion failed. And that's, I would never allow the 105,000 troops to build up on the Ukrainian border. I would say, well, Ukraine asked us to intervene. You're threatening them. If you build up that kind of firepower and you do maneuvers on the border and you're already in Crimea, you're already technically in a state of war with the Ukraine, use your air power. But in today's nuclear age, in today's dynamic age, we don't do that because we're afraid. And people like Putin know that. And he's using it to get what he wants. He wants a neutral zone, a buffer zone between him and NATO. And he's going to establish it come hell or high water. And that's his intent. He has said it publicly. And they were discussing in, in the show Outnumbered about what is Putin asking for. And the, uh, the neocon advisors, which were on Outnumbered, were saying, well, he's asking for things that are totally unreasonable. And Harris focuses is like, what? And he, and he goes, well, they're asking for a complete withdrawal of any attempt to bring Ukraine into NATO. Why is that so unreasonable? I don't see. You can establish a mutual defense treaty with Ukraine. You can establish all kinds of trade relations and whatnot. You don't need to bring them into NATO. Why? Why are we so insistent on NATO? And it's, I have to suspect it's because NATO is bankrupt and they need another source of cash. And they're looking to expand the power of NATO. It's globalism. That's what's causing it. Putin has said so in plain language. He says, look, you're trying to expand your influence and you're trying to strangle Russia economically. Ukraine is essential to providing that. We have to use it to, to extend our supply lines into Europe so that we can do business with them. And you're trying to cut us off from that by making that a NATO state. You're also going to use it as a staging ground for a potential Russian invasion later on. And he's right. You can't allow it. He's, the reason he's acting like that is because he has to. And Admiral Kirby could not answer those questions or refused to. He just kept talking in aphorisms and he talked in terms that would be envious of a politician and unworthy of his uniform. And I think that's part of the problem, too. Our military is full of these people. The war hawks on the left and the right are full of these people who are bureaucrats. And they are people who want this for various reasons. I, you can only come to that conclusion because they're acting like madmen. And, and it, it, it saddened me. It, it upset me. And that's why I was thinking about California. 
because I saw all this kind of thing happen in California as we elected further and further left politicians. I kept warning my friends. I said, look, these people are dangerous. These people are not to be trusted. They will talk to you and they will lie to your face and do whatever they're going to do no matter what. Oh, you tell me you're a jerk. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't care enough about the poor people. You don't care enough about the homeless. I said, fine, I'm out. I'm out. I'm moving out. I'm done with it. I'm done with the high prices. I'm done with the expansion of, the, of police state powers by leftist governors. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm moving out. And it was the best decision I ever made. And it just so happened there was an earthquake in January of 94, which destroyed a lot of everything. You know, it was a really bad situation. My parents said, we're out too. And they moved first. And, they, and she, my mom, you know, pressured me into moving. And I said, I've, I've already made the decision. I'm moving. It's a question of where. She said, why don't you move here? There's an opportunity here for you. You could take it. And so I went. But that's beside the point. The problem is, is you've got people in office who are not listening to what you are saying and don't care and will lie to your face and do whatever they're going to do no matter what. So you can't trust them. When they say to you, oh, this is this or that is that, and they use the mass media as their mouthpiece. They are lying to you. That's how I can tell they're lying. Their lips are moving. You cannot trust anything that comes from anyone that comes from that side of the argument. Period. And I think Putin knows that too. Which is why negotiations are breaking down. And he said so in many speeches. He says, look, you're acting irresponsibly even with your own people. How can I trust you with any kind of negotiation? You're acting irresponsibly with me. You've reneged on many degrees means that you've already previously made with our government. Why should we trust you now? You interfere in other elections. You interfere in other nations' politics. You interfere in other nations' economies. And it's, it's a fair question. And, and Donald Trump, for his part, right or wrong, built a, starting to build a proper relationship. He's a rival. Let's talk to him as an equal. And the Democrats used that as a weapon to try and impeach him, or did. But let's move on. I want to talk about this COVID thing a little bit more. We'll be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, they're using COVID. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why I moved to Rumble. I can talk freely about it without fear of repercussion of losing my show. I state right for the record, straight up, I'm not a doctor, not an epidemiologist. I'm a genius. I can verify it. I have the right to express my opinion about a particular subject, regardless of whether I have a degree in it or not, or regardless of whoever says it's okay for Tom to say it's okay. I would like to be on Gab. It just doesn't, they can't take these, these files that I do, these podcasts, the video file are eight, like eight or nine megabytes. Too big. I was reading a story 
about vaccines, about mandates, and I'm seeing something horrific happen. I'm seeing people being denied life-saving surgeries because they weren't vaccinated. They're saying now, well, it's our right to judge whether a person will survive the surgery or not. That's got nothing to do with COVID. Influenza, pneumonia, and other ILIs, influenza-like illnesses, have always been a threat with any kind of open heart or open body surgery. You get a kidney transplant, you have to take immunosuppressant drugs, heart transplant, any of these kind of transplant surgeries, you have to take immunosuppressant drugs. And one of the big problems is infection, particularly influenza-like influence. Because what happens is you're laying in a hospital bed, you have immunosuppressants in your system, and you weaken, your body's weakened because you're laying around, you know, just sitting around oh, recovering. You know, you, just, you know, open heart surgery, cracking your chest, really bad, high risk. They're saying now that COVID presents such a bad risk to infection that we can't give people heart transplants and kidney transplants unless they're vaccinated. And people are saying, no, I'm not going to get the vaccine. That, take, that takes some courage to know full well that they can simply give you a shot and then you can have the surgery and refuse it, knowing that you're going to die without that. That takes some kind of courage. I don't know what I would do. I really don't. And I'm not going to say whether it's right or wrong, but I know one thing. It's wrong to deny anyone life-saving surgery when you have the ability to save their life because the possibility exists that they might contract a person, a typical, a, one particular type of infection. You're not concerned about with encephalitis. You're not concerned about it with hepatitis. Why aren't you concerned about it? Because those are just as high a risk in those kind of surgeries. Huge blood transfusions, huge immunosuppressants. There are all kinds. It's a, a litany of infections. And no one is more deadly or more dangerous than the COVID-19. So why are you excluding it? See, this is, they're using it as an excuse to do what? Deny healthcare. And why? Well, we've got, we can give it to somebody else. So what you're saying is that you're making a decision of life and death based on who you think deserves it. Because the COVID-19 is no more lethal than any other infection you get from an immunosuppressant drug. So you're denying based on what? Political ideology. You're on personal ideology. That's a death panel. That's exactly the kind of thing that Sarah Palin warned us about with Obamacare. They said, look, you're empowering doctors to deny people health care on reasons other than basic biology because of need. And what that need might be is going to be determined by the HHS. That is totally inappropriate. Government is deciding who can live and who can die. Because that's what goes behind denying patient life-saving surgery because of COVID. Well, you might get this. Well, wait a second. Everybody on your staff is supposedly vaccinated, right? Everyone in a hospital, everyone, you've fired nurses and doctors who refuse to take the vaccine. Everyone is masked, so is the patient. And you have risks of all kinds of infectious disease. How is this any different than any other infectious disease? It's not. It's the same risk. It's no higher or lower. It's a simple matter of statistics. They're going to get something. They're going to get some. It doesn't matter if it's COVID-19 or if it's some other infectious disease. You're denying someone life-saving service. Why? Because you feel better about yourself if you do it. 
because you're punishing people for doing something that you think is in willful disregard of their own health. And people have a right to do that. If I have a, uh, uh, if I make a decision, if I want to run my life in the ground, it's my life and it's my body and I want to do it, then you can't stop me. People make those decisions every time. You think smoking is healthy? You think eating a fast food diet is healthy? You think sitting around and not getting enough exercise? No, of course not. But they don't, they don't refuse surgery to smokers. They don't refuse surgery to people who are lazy or whatever reason. But they do it for COVID-19. Why? Because it makes them feel good about themselves. It's limousine liberalism. Well, we're doing this because, you know, we have to encourage people. We got to tell people. We're not going to give you surgery. We're not going to give you so that'll encourage you to take a vaccine. Well, no, you know, there are some people that just won't. It'll harden them even more. It's shameful behavior. We don't do that. It's a violation of the Hippocratic Oak. It's a violation of everything that we believe in in the medical health care system. In fact, Ronald Reagan, back in the day, there were issues with accepting homeless people, indigent people into hospitals. And doctors were violating the Hippocratic Oath even back then and saying, no, we're not going to treat you. You don't have insurance. No, we're not going to treat you. You don't have an ability to pay. And Ronald Reagan said, no, that's over. And got legislature to pass a law. No one is turned away at a hospital for life-saving treatment, regardless of the ability to pay. Oh, yeah, well, they can ask you for the money later. They can even send a collection agent around. But they can't refuse you that right. The right to life, just like you discuss when you discuss abortion or anything else, you have the right to do whatever's necessary to save your life. And a doctor doesn't have a right to turn you down simply because of ability to pay or in this case, ability to do what we tell you to do. And that I'm seeing more and more in every doctor's office. If you don't do what they say, they get upset, they get mad, and they don't want to treat you. I have a right to make a decision about my body, my health, whether I'm going to take a medication or not, whether I'm going to do what you tell me or not. And it's your obligation to educate me and maybe convince me that that drug or that medicine or that way of life will help me. And if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. You move on to the next patient. And part of the problem, too, is our litigious society because people sue. Oh, you didn't tell me enough. You didn't argue enough. You didn't give me this treatment. You didn't give me this test when I asked for it. And that's created another set of problems. We're always trying to blame somebody else. All oh, the doctors at fault because I didn't take with the medication that they said and I ended up with a, a terrible illness. So it's their fault. No, it's not. You have the responsibility for your own health care. I've said this many times. Yeah, you have the right to health care, but you don't have the right to demand someone else to do it for you. It's the same thing in reverse. You don't have a right to tell a doctor they have to. No, you don't. But we have laws for life-saving situations. And that's there for a reason. And they're just willfully ignoring that. Willfully ignoring. They do it because why? Because the administration, this one and others, have stood behind these kind of situations and said, no, it's okay because they're terrible people. They're awful people. Those Republicans are violent ignorant, whatever names they want. They constantly fall back on the name calling because they don't have a real argument to present. Anytime someone calls you stupid or dumb 
because you don't get it or don't understand or don't want to do something because you think something else is true. They, they castigated and destroyed, uh, tried to destroy Joe Rogan when he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take ivermectin and do this. And they called him taking horse drugs and things like that. It was a Nobel Prize winning antiviral drug, ivermectin. Look it up. He had a right to do that. Whether you think it's appropriate or not is irrelevant. If a doctor is willing to prescribe it and he's willing to take it and take the risk of not doing the ordinary treatment, that's his right. And it's the right of every person, kidney transplant, heart transplant or whatever, to say, no, I don't want to take the vaccine. I feel that the risks outweigh that. And what, what choice do you have? The guy's laying on the table with his heart open. He's going to die unless he gets it. So what is he going to, have to do? Subject himself to a flu vaccine that he may not want to take. Does that seem right to you? I'm not talking about what's legal or not. What's right? Forcing someone to do a medical procedure that you think is best for them, but they don't want to take. You're willing to do that? If they're willing to do that, they're willing to do anything. And this is why so many people like Robert Kennedy have been talking about, uh, about uh, the rhetoric that this is another situation when we're going into uh, what happened in Germany and, and Jews and ovens. And people are saying, oh, it's not the same thing at all. We're not exterminating people. We're not. Yeah, but it doesn't start that way. They don't just wake up one day and go, oh, everybody march into the ovens. No, that's not what happened. It began with the narrative that somehow people, because of what they believe in, in the case of Germany and the Jewish, it's the Jewish faith. In the case of people, it's conservatives, right-wingers, anti-vaccine types. They have a right to believe in what they do and right to refuse whatever treatment. And you don't have a right to dictate that narrative upon them. And when you do, it leads to things down the road. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe 50 years from now. But when you start to define people by what they think and what they believe in, that's how you get into situations where you get into fascism and you get into a tyrant who takes advantage of it. Let's move on. There's a story that I, I want to talk about before we close up. Is, is Dinklage. Peter, is it Peter Dinklage? Peter, Dink, Peter, Peter Dinklage and the Seven Dwarfs. We'll be right back. So I'm reading this story. Pardon me while I take a sip of coffee. I still am a coffee drinker. I always will be. I know it's not the greatest thing for you, but I, I, I can't kick the habit. You know, I, I sometimes I go for like three or four days without it. And it's like, okay, I miss it. I miss it. I miss it. And then I, you know, I think I miss the caffeine more than, than the actual. I like coffee just straight black. No cream, no sugar. I, I don't see how it's so awful for me, other than the caffeine dose, right? And they always tell me, oh, you should stay off the caffeine. I go, it's only one cup when I do a show, right? But you know how it goes. Doctors are always willing to willing to run your life. Don't do this, don't do that. I mean, they won't be happy unless you're not eating anything but kale, right? And I, yeah, it might shorten my life. Okay, so be it. I won't live to 85. I'll go at 80. I'll live with that. It's okay, folks. Peter Dinklage. 
It's Peter Dinklage? Yeah. He was playing that character in Game of Thrones. I've seen, I'm sure you've seen him in a bunch of things. He was in Cyrodiil Bergerac. For those of you who don't know who Dinklage is, uh, he's also a little shorter than average. And I don't, I don't know what term to use. Because he was complaining about they were making Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs as a live-action movie. And he was like, oh, it's backward as fuck. That's a word. No, his words, not mine. And when they, you're defining people by their height rather than by what they are. Well, I had a question for him. Well, did you feel that way about Lord of the Rings? I mean, Lord of the Rings. The dwarves were awesome. I don't know if you've ever watched Lord of the Rings. I have on DVD the extended version, the six-hour version of them. Oh, there's so many extra scenes that are so worth it. Like when the, in the Hobbit, for instance, the Hobbit, there's a scene where the dwarves come down and confront the elves. And there's a dialogue, which was cut out of the actual version, between the dwarven king and the elven king. And it is high comedy. The, the dwarves are portrayed as the classic Scottish attitude dwarf. And it's gotten to the point where you can't, I cannot think of a dwarf. And I'm talking about the mythical dwarf, right? I cannot think of a dwarf that is having a thick, anything other than a thick Scottish accent, being a short guy with a thick Scottish and a wide, swarthy body and willing to just stomp on anybody that gets in the way. I love that attitude. That's why I love the dwarves. So why are you upset about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? Well, it's a backward story about seven, he goes, seven dwarves living in a, in a cave. Well, that's nearly not what it's about. Honestly, it isn't. He's mad, I would imagine, because, as he said, it defines a person by their stature. I get what he's saying. I understand it completely. But should we not tell the, the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? It's a great story. It's a great story about betrayal and trust, isn't it? It's a great story about loyalty. Snow White goes off. She's betrayed by the people around her. She decides to hide in the forest and some dwarves take her in. Who nobody wanted to do anything with the dwarves. They only wanted them for the gems. It's portrayed in the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarves in an animated form. But if you read the, the Grimm's fairy tale, it's a fantastic tale. It's about a woman who is essentially nobility. They goes to live with these people who nobody wants anybody to do with them because they're so, so short. They dig in the mines and they have fabulous gems. Everybody wants their gems. Everybody wants their goods. But nobody wants to have anything to do with them. And then she's betrayed by the witch in the forest and the apple. You know the story. And, and the actress and the actors that are involved in the story are saying, well, this is going to take it in a new direction. Great. If they portray the seven dwarves in, in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves like the dwarves in Lord of the Rings, why is that such an awful thing? We're talking about mythical characters here. We're not talking about real characters in a, in a business setting. I mean, we're not talking about Snow White, the CEO of something, and the seven dwarves she has running the company, though, are we? We're talking about... A mythical situation. A mythos. What would you tell the story? Seven, uh, uh, Snow White and the Seven Elves? Oh, that's terrible too, showing people who point out. Oh, uh, seven, Snow White and, and the Seven Progressive Activists? Maybe that would make you happy. They're actors. They're portraying a role. And he even said himself, look, I'm not mad at the actors. They're great people. I know what they are as a person. I don't understand why they're making it because it's a job. It's an acting job. And I understand the fears because in the past, the portrayals have been kind of offensive. 
by today's standards. But I don't get that impression by what I've heard from whatever they're talking about with this movie. As they said, they're going to take this movie in a different direction. Why don't you wait till the movie's made? Why are you coming out and saying this is awful and terrible and the movie hasn't even been made? Have you read the script? Have you been asked to be part of the production and taken a look at it and go, oh no, I'm not going to make this movie? Then you might have a case. Then you could point to specific examples. Well, this script is going to talk about this, this, and this, and that really is offensive to people in my community. That would be a different matter. No, he's thinking, that story is stupid. That story is backward as blankety blank. That's what I, I have an issue with. When you have that kind of attitude about things, when you put political propaganda or political narrative or a political agenda ahead of what is common sense, why don't you let them make the movie and then criticize it if you feel it's offensive? Then that's a different story. Then you can say, you can point to specifics in, in the production of the movie, the theatrical movie. Say, well, this point in this scene this is terrible. You shouldn't have shown that. And you call them out for that. But no, you're, you're doing it before the movie's even been made. Before they, the, the, I, I, from what I understand, the script is even complete. What are you upset about? There's nothing to be upset. It's like when I go on those movie sites, right? And you and you crit and people are criticizing a movie before it's even come out. I mean, there you can. There are some things you can criticize. Have you seen trailers and things like that? You go, oh well, this is not. I don't think this is going to be a good movie. Right? That's one thing. But when you come out and say, no, this is going to be trash because A, B, C, D, and you haven't even seen it, how would you know? I mean, there are movies that I have seen or have gone to see, which I didn't think much of until I saw it. And I go, wow, that that really was something. I, w I was shocked at how good that movie is. I, I can remember a number of movies that I've seen, particularly in the tearjerker category or the typically chick movie category, which I did not want to see. And then I saw it and I go, that was pretty good. That was a damn sight better than I thought it would be. And there are some times when I've, I've gone to see movies and I go, that was the biggest piece of junk. I was sober. I was heartbroken. Over the, the the last Jedi, I was heartbroken over those sequels. I really was. I went there. I was there opening night at three a.m. out in line waiting. Me and my better half, who oh, is the best person ever, who waited with me, even though she didn't really want to see it. And I I couldn't wait to see the further exploits of Luke Skywalker. And then they came out with that garbage. That woke agenda garbage, the Mary Sue characters. There was a hundred things wrong with it. But I had been saying all along, I can't wait to see it, I can't wait to see it, I can't wait to see it. So you never know what's gonna what it's gonna be until you actually see the movie, see the results. It's like people who talk about politics in, in a certain respect and, and about certain things before they've even been passed. It's like, well, the, you know, the Trump administration had this draft memo. What, what does it make a difference? He's not our president and there was a draft memo. That doesn't mean anything. Why don't you wait? Why don't you see what was actually passed? What was actually done? Stop judging a person based on who you think they are and judge them on what they actually do. That's my advice to Mr. Dinklage. And, and I get it. Look, I, I'm not, I don't like to say, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. No, I understand it. I, I get what you're trying to say. Um, believe me, I do. Why don't you wait till the movies? And then you criticize all you want. Then, you, then your criticism might be fair. You might see that movie and think, I don't, I don't know what his stance was on Lord of the Rings. But I was very entertained by the portrayal of dwarves in that movie. It was fantastic, mythical character. Well, they might portray him in the same way with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. You don't know. 
You don't even know if they're going to be living in a cave, as he colloquially put it. Just relax. Everyone, everyone really needs to relax and let other people do what they're going to do. And if you don't like it, no problem. Say, so, uh, you know, someone might ask you, your opinion. well, I don't think that movie is appropriate. But then ever, but everyone's got to have put their two sits in and start a social activist movement against the movie before it's even come out. I remember when they came, they came out about Mr. Magoo. I said, oh, Mr. Magoo is making fun of the blind people. And I said, it's Mr. Magoo. It's a cartoon. It's a mythical character. Eh, whatever. We're out of time. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'm worried about what's happening in Ukraine. Be not because of it's of interest. In other words, I don't think it's a, of relative interest to the United States, but what our response would be in sending our men into a potentially deadly situation. 8,500 troops would be, just be targets in a situation like that. I don't think that we should be there. I don't think we should be trying to get Ukraine into NATO. I think that we need to establish some sort of boundary that Putin can't cross and that we can't cross. I thought it was done with the Clinton agreement with Chernyenko. I didn't know it was Chernyenko. It was Yeltsin. It was Yeltsin back in the 1990s. I thought that was a great solution. Not that where the borders were drawn. I thought the people of Ukraine should make that decision. I don't think the people in Washington should be making the decision for Ukraine. But... That being said, the solution was neutral territory so that no one feels threatened. Great solution. Why we tampered with that, I, I have no idea. Probably because of globalist interests. But we're out of time for today. We could, I could randomly thought this, you know, for hours, but don't have time. I hope you enjoyed it. Take care. Just a reminder, we take donations through our website at libertyneversleeps.com. We take subscriptions through patreon.com, all the links are uh, on, the, on the website, and I encourage you to do so if you like the show, if you like what we have to say, and if you'd like to see more of it, and you'd like to see us have a higher profile, we need your donations. Anyway, take care, folks. Have a good one.